0: What is going on, Bleeding Green Nation? It is Brandon Lee Gowton here with you for an emergency episode of BGN Radio. We call this one episode 33 overall. Unfortunately, I am here by myself with you to talk about an emergency Carson Wentz podcast report that came out today on January 21st, Monday, Martin Luther King Day, and look, you know, I woke up today, thought it, it was going to be a normal, boring kind of Eagles off-season day. You know, might get a couple of things done on BleedingGreenNation.com, but nope, that was not the case. Instead, we all woke up to the bombshell of a report that came out from Philly Voice by Joe Santoliquido about how Carson Wentz is "quote unquote" selfish, uncompromising, playing favorites, uh, among other unpleasant uh, kind of adjectives described his way, and look, there's a lot to talk about because I know some people might not even want us to address this report, but when it's being talked about as much as it is and it's, it involves the team's franchise quarterback, I mean, we have to. It's it's a it's a really big story. It's a really big topic, whether you want to believe it or not, and we can get into that more on this episode. It's a big deal, and I want to start off here by saying that I know the author of this story. I know Joe Santoliquido. He is a credentialed Eagles media member. I've known him for several years now, I think about five or six. So I've known him for quite a bit. I feel like I have a good idea of who Joe is. And based on his track record and based on my experiences with him, and again, I sit next to him in the press box at Lincoln Financial Field. So I, you know, I do interact with Joe, is that, He's not making this story up. If you're out there thinking that, oh, this is just complete fiction, the media is making things up, it's all fabricated, none of it's true, I think you're mistaken. I I don't think you can easily write it off like that and say there is zero truth to what is being reported here in the Philly Voice Report. Now, with that said, that does not mean I'm saying that everything there is true, I think while I respect this report by Joe, I think some things might lack context and I think there you know I I, I think there could be a better way maybe of presenting all of the information from all sides in a story that otherwise kind of makes it look things look a little bit harsh on Carson but look ultimately Joe heard what he heard from his sources which I you know I believe to be very legitimate and he pub- he published what he heard and what he had, the information he had gathered over time from talking to both sources on the team, Eagles players, I'm sure, or, or wh- whoever his sources were inside the organization. I don't know. And some sources from the NFL who were described as NFL sources. I'm, I'm assuming maybe you know not on the team. I don't know. Again, I'm just going off of what's in the story here. So We have a lot to talk about because this report is a big deal. Again, even if you think it's a nothing thing, it's about Carson Wentz. So we we at least have to talk about it and give our thoughts on it. So I'm here to do that. And with the whole thing about, you know, knowing Joe out of the way, I think it's important to consider in this report, any reporting really, sources are always going to have agendas. So when you hear a source say something about someone and it's not always flattering, you know, they might have an ax to grind. And that's understandable. When teams and players are in situations where not everyone is having the most success and there are some struggles, you're going to see some cracks. It's just kind of inevitable. I mean, even teams that win a lot, they have struggles too with this. I mean, we just saw the New England Patriots last year have a story written about them on ESPN one month before they played in the Super Bowl about how there was a lot of dysfunction in that organization and how Tom Brady and Bill Belichick weren't getting along and there was arguing kind of over who gets credit for what. I mean, this is a high-pressure business. There are high stakes. I know it's kind of silly. It's only sports, right? But, you know, there's a lot of money and there's a lot of pride and ego and all that kind of stuff on the line here. So you're going to see these reports come out whenever there are struggles. And look, the Eagles struggled in 2018. They obviously, they didn't win the Super Bowl. They they finished the season strong and they made it to the divisional round and they gave up, or they put up a hard fight against the Saints, but ultimately they fell short. And we all know there were struggles along the way in the 2018 season. So it's only natural that these kind of things are going to come out. I think that's something you have to consider. I don't think it's like you know the Eagles are the only dysfunctional team in the NFL. If you're framing it that way, it's just not the case. I also think that Carson Wentz certainly isn't the only quarterback in the NFL who's ever had a story like this written about them. I'm sure you can find... I mean, I already mentioned the Tom Brady thing. I'm sure you can find ones for Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and a number of quarterbacks in this league. I think you can always spin certain qualities as positive or negative. You could say Carson Wentz is a control freak. He wants to control everything. Or you could say Carson Wentz, you know, has a a strong ideas about what he wants to do and he wants to be involved. So it's all about how you frame things and how you spin it as well. Uh, So I think it's it's always the the point being there, why I'm saying all this is it's important to consider biases and perspectives on both sides, on all sides, and to acknowledge those and to kind of you know, just so we're we're being fair and accurate all around. <clears throat> so, another thing I want to say coming out of all this is that none of this changes Carson Wentz's standing, in my opinion, with the franchise. I mean, Doug Peterson said it last week that he is the team's franchise quarterback. Just because a report like this comes out does not mean all of a sudden you know, the Eagles are keep, keeping Nick Foles and they're getting rid of Carson Wentz. That is not what's going to happen here. It's just not. They if if these issues in this story did exist or do exist, I'm sure the Eagles have to have some level of awareness about them, and I think they would know that before they would come out and say Carson Wentz is their franchise quarterback. So, just wanted to say it. I don't think really anyone is doubting that, but in case you are, it doesn't really change anything in that perspective that Carson Wentz is this team's long term answer. Now, because that very fact is true. I also think it's important to note that Carson Wentz is not some bum. I, I don't know why. I mean, I guess I do know why, and it's because, you know, Nick Foles has success, and Carson Wentz had some struggles, so all of a sudden Carson Wentz sucks. But I think people have been way too hard on Carson as a player. Let's leave the off-the-field stuff aside just for a second. and Talk about Carson Wentz the player. And this is something I had talked about in BGN Radio episode 32 with John Stolnes, that I, I just feel like Carson Wentz is getting too much hate. You know, you look at how he had a better passer rating than Jared Goff, Tom Brady, both of those quarterbacks are in the Super Bowl this year, by the way, Andrew Luck, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers in 2018, among other players. And I'm not saying passer rating is the perfect stat. I think a big issue with it, in fact, with Carson Wentz, is it doesn't account for fumbles, which have been an issue for him. But the point is that you can't have a better passer rating than all those guys and be a complete bum. You just... That's not how it works. I know Carson was not perfect in 2018. And you have to consider, by the way, not only did he have a better pass rating than all those guys, but he was also doing it with a fracture in his back and coming off two major injuries in his knee with a torn ACL and a torn LCO. So I think it's just important to put all of that into context. And now, to be fair to Joe and his story from Philly Voice, they acknowledged all that, so they included that in there. But... I just felt the need to reiterate it because I think people are a little bit too much down on Carson Wentz. And that's part of why this story from the Philly Voice is frustrating as an Eagles fan, as a Carson Wentz supporter, because it just feels like it's more ammo for the people who are kind of being a little bit unfair to him anyway. And I'm not saying this report is necessarily being unfair in the sense that, I think it is sourced. And I think Joe, you know, he, he obviously did talk to these people with this information. But I think how we perceive this information can be just taken a little bit out of context. And I think it can be extrapolated to, to maybe give more weight to it than it actually deserves. In the sense of, I don't think because this report comes out means that the Eagles are doomed at quarterback forever. And I think if that's your takeaway, I just think that's a little too harsh. Now, I'm not saying it's not concerning at all, but I just think there's always room for somewhere in between the the doomsday scenario and everything is fine. And I think that's kind of where this story lies. I think it lies in between everything is fine and this is a real issue. It's somewhere in between those two things. Now, something I've talked about a lot and something I think is the crux of this Carson Wentz story, considering it seems to be a lot about his attitude And how he is perceived, his character, all of those kind of things. And by the way, the report does say a lot of his teammates and a lot of sources feel like Carson Wentz is a very hardworking, intelligent, all the kind of adjectives we've heard about him and, and things we just know about him to be true based on the work ethic we've seen, those things are true. It's not like, you know, this report is saying that he's just the worst. Person and lazy and no, that's not what this report is saying. You know, you have to actually read the report and and understand. Like, for you know, as much as there is going to be Carson Wentz criticism in this report, it also does give him credit in some areas. And one thing, getting back to what I was saying though about the crux of this being about Carson Wentz's personality and the way he's being perceived is that I just don't think Carson Wentz is necessarily mature as he could ideally be. And now, I've talked about this before. I mentioned this, I believe, on BGN Radio 31 a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe even as recently as the the recent the last episode we did here, where I j- and, and this is something I've been thinking about for a while now, and I, I wrote about it on bleedinggreennation.com after the Texans game, because it just really stood out to me how poised Nick Foles was. And I, we already knew that from the Super Bowl run, but it just it kind of dr- drove that point home for me. You know, like, look how composed Nick Foles was at the end of that Texans game as he helped lead the Eagles to that win, that game-winning field goal that Jake Elliott ultimately made. I don't think that was the same Nick Foles we saw earlier on in his career. I really don't believe that. I, I, and part of why I think I was so skeptical, skeptical of Nick Foles having the kind of success he would ultimately go on to have before he won the Super Bowl last year and when he went on that run was I was remembering a 2014 Nick Foles where Jeff McLean from the Inquirer had reported that player was a player who lost confidence and the Eagles kind of saw that and they were concerned by that that he would make mistakes or he'd kind of get too down on himself and ultimately Nick Foles turned around. He wasn't that player anymore. When he left the Eagles, he got traded to the St. Louis Rams. He got benched. And he, he thought about giving up. He thought about retiring. And I think that kind of changed Nick Foles because I think he had a different perspective on life. I think having a daughter really changed his life. I mean, he talks about his daughter, Lily Foles, all the time. He talks about how you know he can go home after work and you know that matters a lot to him you know, he's, it's not like he's saying sports don't matter. I mean, they obviously do to him, but it's more than that. It's more than sports. His life is also about being a dad to his daughter. And I think he kind of has that perspective. And I think that kind of allows him to succeed. And and in these big moments, like we've seen, he has that composure. He knows that, look, this is just a game. Let's go out and have some fun. You know, I'm going to be composed. I'm going to be calm. And I'm going to go out and do my best, to help this team win, and if I don't, you know, I'm still gonna, I'm gonna be upset, obviously, and try to get better in the future. But I'm gonna go home that night, and I'm still gonna be a do- a father to my daughter. Like he, he has that perspective, and I just, I think there's a maturity in that, and I don't think Carson Wentz has that right now. And that's not to say Carson Wentz can't have that. Now Nick Foles is three years older than Carson Wentz. He's 29, going on 30. Carson Wentz just turned 26. So I think that that is something that could possibly come with time. And maybe it even comes out of all this reporting. And I think that was part of what's included in Joe's reporting there is is some people who were talking about Carson Wentz anonymously were almost doing it in a way where they wanted the best for him. I think they almost wanted this to get out there so they feel like Carson Wentz might look at himself and say, "Okay, I, I might need to be mature. So I'm not giving off this impression, whether it's right or wrong. Uh, whether he feels like, you know, it's right or wrong, I, I think maybe he can do some kind of self evaluation, some self reflection and, and come away with, okay, uh, you know, maybe I need to get better in some areas, maybe I need to be more, you know, willing to work with others and get more people involved, not just in terms of spreading the ball around, but in terms of the coaching staff and being able to work with them effectively. So maybe he just needs to be a better communicator. So and I think, you know, having seen what Nick Foles accomplished with the Eagles, you would hope that Carson Wentz might be able to learn from that perspective. And having Doug Peterson, who, you know, he was brought in, in part, and I think it's proven to be true for his emotional intelligence, I think maybe Carson Wentz, maybe maybe that rubs off on him. I don't know. Maybe it's just whistle thinking on my part. I'm just saying, I feel like there has to be hope that Carson Wentz can mature, and I think... Part of his immaturity is kind of contrasted by how Nick Foles is super mature, so it's kind of just tough on Carson because you have, again, this quarterback, the Super Bowl MVP, who is a super mature guy, and then you have Carson, who I think might be going through some growing pains in that regard. Again, he's only about to enter his fourth year, so he still has certainly a lot of career in front of him, so I think that contrast and that topic of maturity is something kind of big in this report that doesn't get addressed directly, but that's something I've been thinking about for a long time. I also think, you know, a lot of the things in the report jibe with what we've previously heard about Carson Wentz in terms of being controlling. I think it was Shiel Kapadia, friend of the podcast, who said that, you know, he kept noticing that Carson Wentz is kind of a control freak. I think he even said that before the season, and I, and Shield wasn't even saying that in a negative way so much as kind of just an objective assessment that he was putting out there. And I think, you know, there was something to that. I think we're clearly seeing that now. And I think that's kind of what this report stems from to some extent. So I think you have to consider that. Uh, I think you have to consider that there were clearly some issues during the 2018 Eagle season here where, you know, everything wasn't always happy and dandy. And we even saw that report come out from Josina Anderson about you know the camaraderie was off and I'm not blaming that on Carson and I don't think it should be but that report also had something about Zachary's getting targeted too much and it seemed we don't know for a fact I'm not saying we know this for a fact I want to make that clear but it seemed like that information would be coming from Alshon Jeffrey just because Josina Anderson has reported a lot before about breaking news stories that have all been about Alshon Jeffrey so just kind of trying to put you know. Uh, one plus one together there and figure out that that might be what it is. It might not be. I don't know. But that's that's another whole frustrating part of the Carson Wentz criticism is I, I feel like a lot of the things he gets criticized for are kind of anecdotal. Uh, the, the Wentz thing in particular, when he, when he's talking about how he's targeting Ertz too much. I mean, you look at the numbers and Carson Wentz was targeting Zach Ertz 9.6 times. Per game, Well, Nick Foles was targeting 9.3 times. And the percentages are even close. If you want to look at it that way, Dave Mingles put up a post about this on Bleeding Green Nation, which I encourage you to check out. You know Carson Wentz, 26.4% of his passes were going to Ertz, while 244 so only 2% fewer passes, or 2.0% fewer of Foles' passes were going to Zach Ertz. So Point being that the numbers are, are pretty close. It's not like they're drastically different there. Uh, and even with Jeffrey, Wentz was actually targeting him more of his percentages than Foles was. So I'm not saying that, you know, means everything. And I'm not saying that means the offense is totally fine with Carson. Because, look, we all saw it. I mean, Alshon was being more of a productive player all around with Nick Foles than he was with Carson in there. And you know, I don't we don't have all the reasons for that. I think Ben Solak did a good job of kind of breaking down how the Eagles were running a different offense with Nick Foles. And I think that's you know, that's obviously something that gets talked about in this Philly Voice report, how it was a different offense and some players, some sources felt like I don't know if they're players, but some sources felt like the offense was being run with um, through Nick Foles as opposed to, you know, Nick Foles having all this control over it, like Carson Wentz had wanted to have control over it. Now, one of the things in that report that I thought was kind of unfair was about how it said, like, every time Carson Wentz would have input, there would be an interception or a sack, and every time he just followed what the coaches do, it always worked out. I mean, that's kind of just – that's a little un- – that's pretty unfair to me that to say – and to suggest that, like, Carson Wentz was just the, the bad guy and the coaches were fine, and I don't know, does that kind of give you uh, – Perspective or or information on who the sources could be, if it's you know saying the coaches were never to blame. I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. That's what a lot of this podcast is about, just giving you some of my thoughts on this situation. But uh, obviously, we've heard some rebuttal on this Carson Wentz scathing report that came out from some of his teammates. We saw Fletcher Cox immediately jump out to his defense. Now, I think it's a little interesting, or it's no. It's w- worth noting that, you know, Fletcher Cox isn't in those offensive meetings. He's he's a defensive captain, and he's a clearly one of the best players on the team. So I'm not saying his word means nothing here. I'm just saying you have to consider that. But then Brandon Brooks, who is on the offensive side of the ball, certainly came out in support of Carson Wentz. So did Zach Ertz. So did Lane Johnson. So did Torrey Smith, who's no longer on the team, but was certainly in the wide receiver room last year. Uh, So did Nate Sudfeld, who works in the same quarterback room with Carson Wentz and and should obviously have a good feel for him, given the the amount of time they spend together. And Jason Kelsey also gave a lengthy statement. Those are all up on bleedinggreennation.com if you want to read them. So, you know, we're seeing players support Carson Wentz. And, look, it's obviously not like they're going to come out and say, you know, oh, the report is true and rip him. Like, that's never going to happen. So... What makes it interesting to me then is, and and what might be more telling, is who hasn't spoken out in favor of Carson Wentz. And as I am recording this on 3.02 p.m. on Monday, January 21st, we still haven't heard from Alshon Jeffrey or Nelson Aguilar or really any of the current receivers on the team or any of the running backs on the team. So is that meaningful? Is it not? I don't know. But I think that's something to maybe consider when you're looking at where this report could be coming from, who is unhappy with Carson Wentz, and again, just something to think about. So what does this all mean, ultimately? Uh, is it a good thing? I think if you want to spin it that way, it could be. You know, It could be that Carson Wentz sees this criticism from his teammates. He realizes he could be doing something better so that this kind of situation doesn't happen. I mean, on the flip side, it could just anger Carson Wentz, and he could feel like he doesn't trust his teammates, and then that creates some kind of rift in the locker room, so that would certainly not be a good thing. But in Joe's reporting on the Philly Voice, it even said that some players, you know, again, did want this to kind of get out in a way where I think maybe they felt like they couldn't talk to Carson Wentz directly, which is kind of sad and annoying, but maybe they were kind of afraid of the repercussions of it, that if they did talk to him they would kind of you know see even less playing time or they would get cut or something so that's not a good thing but ultimately again if you're being the optimist if you're you're being hopeful about this and and hoping for the best for both Carson Wentz and the team and those two things certainly seem to be connected that you know Carson Wentz can learn from this criticism that's out there and hopefully apply it to the future and again, when I'm talking about that maturity and the composure and just, you know, how he is perceived, I think maybe there is some kind of learning lesson to be had here. If this information is true or not, I think it kind of just gives Carson an opportunity to self-reflect and ask himself, you know, like, is he doing the best he can to kind of, you know, be the best teammate and be the best quarterback and do everything he can? Does he need to yield some of his control in some cert- certain situations. Um, that's not to say he should never be aggressive and to never speak up and basically like be like a Jared Goff and just have your coach, you know, call up all the plays for you. And you're kind of just their dummy. I'm not saying it has to be to that extreme, but I I think it can be where, you know, there there, there just could just be some better communication on both sides about what players want and, and what the coaches want and what's expected and just more open, honest dialogue where both sides can kind of rectify things and it doesn't have to come to a boiling point where it comes out in the media like it has clearly to this point. So that's the hope. That's what you're hoping for in this situation. And maybe that's unrealistic because maybe Carson Wentz, you know, I, I think it's fair to say we all know he is a strong personality. I don't know if it's completely fair to to use the words and kind of paint it out as was in this report, but it was, so, some people, some sources clearly feel that way, and that's how it is, so, now, what does this mean for the Eagles, what does this mean for the future, because I think that's kind of what, where my mind always goes to, like, what's the, what's the bottom line here, what does this really impact, and to me, it doesn't change much, because what changes all of a sudden, like, are the Eagles moving on from Carson Wentz, we already talked about that, no, they're not, um, Does it make them hesitant to give him a contract extension this offseason? I mean, I don't really think so. If they already had a plan to, I think, you know, this report isn't going to change anything. I think, if anything, if it does change something, it just puts more pressure on Carson Wentz to deliver in 2019. But the reality is, it wasn't like there was ever no pressure on him to perform next season, because he even admitted it after this year, where... You look how Nick Foles has performed over these past couple of seasons in relief of Carson Wentz, and having won the Super Bowl, and then having helped guide the team to the divisional round this year. Carson Wentz admitted, "Yeah, that does put pressure on him, and he does need to step up, and he knows he needs to be better in 2019." And you know, if he's really committed to that, you would hope that he he knows maybe that he has to yield some control in some areas and. He needs to do whatever it takes, and that always might not be his idea, to To get to where he needs to be. So that's where it all kind of comes down to for me. That's the bottom line, as Stone Cold Steve Austin would say. He, like, he needs to play better next year. That's just the bottom line. And I think there's reason to believe he will. Again, he's getting a full offseason, assuming he can stay healthy, which is something he needs to prove. He's going to have time to work on his game. And I think that's important because last year he didn't have that. He just, he was rehabbing all the time. He did not participate in OTAs or the, the you know, the voluntary spring drills at all. And then in training camp, he was really only limited because they kind of pulled him from the, the 11 on 11 stuff. He was doing some seven on seven stuff, but he was limited in training camp and a good portion of it too. And he didn't play in the preseason at all, clearly. And then he he missed the first two weeks of the regular season. So it was a a long offseason for Carson Wentz of really not necessarily being able to hone his craft and work on it as much as he probably would have liked to and probably would have helped the Eagles as much as he could have so i think that's what it ultimately comes down to like if, if that's my biggest takeaway from this report is that nothing is really changed in the, in the grand scheme of things he just he needs to play better um he i think he, he needs to mature both as a player and a person. And I think that could come with time. So I think there's reason to be optimistic about that. So I think it's just important to keep all of this in perspective. And maybe this ends up being a blip on the radar. Ultimately, maybe we kind of look at back of this report and think nothing really came of that. And it, it really ultimately didn't matter because Carson Wentz found a way to get back on his game and play at a super high level, like we saw that he was capable of doing back during the 2017 season when he was almost the league's MVP. And he had the Eagles in a really good position to set them up for that Super Bowl. They would eventually go on to win without him. So that's the hope in all of this. The hope is that you know, this isn't really a big issue and that the, you know the players and the coaches, and they can all get on the same page, and everything will work out to the point where it's not perfect. It's not going to be all roses and sunflowers. It's just unrealistic to think that environment exists really at all, and especially in any team. But I think we've seen enough evidence, in my opinion, that this can work out ultimately. I don't think it's to the point where Carson Wentz is is such a cancer or he's such a divisive figure in the locker room or this situation – is untenable, and the Eagles will never have any success in the future. I just, if that's your takeaway, I just think that's way too dramatic, and I think it's wrong. Now, again, I'm not trying to to downplay this entirely and saying it's not any kind of issue, and, and it's all made up. Because I just, I don't believe that. I, I believe it's more than a non-issue. I just believe it's less than a death knell for the the team and in the future of Carson Wentz and everyone's hope. So that's where I'm at with it. Just wanted to give some thoughts on this hot topic. Hope you enjoyed. As always, this is BGN Radio. We hope you please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We'll be breaking down a lot more stuff for you this offseason and this week. I believe we have some Senior Bowl coverage coming up with Michael Kist and Benjamin Solak down at the Senior Bowl, so that'll be cool. We'll talk about the Super Bowl, unfortunately, between the Rams and the Patriots coming up. Ugh. And plenty of more stuff to talk about in the offseason here. So It'll be an exciting one. It never isn't with the Eagles. They always somehow find a way to give us something to talk about and certainly no exception today with this Carson Wentz and a bombshell report coming out of not out of nowhere just because again we've we've heard some of the sentiments before but just, you know, you thought it was going to be a quiet Monday and all of a sudden it wasn't. So, once again, Thanks for tuning in. This has been Brandon Lee Gowton here with you on an emergency episode of BGN Radio, BGN Radio episode number 33. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned to Bleeding Green Nation and BGN Radio for more Eagles content as always.